Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR. I'm Jesse Thorne. It's Bullseye. Dev Hines is easily one of the most interesting musicians around today. He's a producer sometimes. He's worked on hits for folks like Carly Rae Jepsen, ASAP Rocky, Mariah Carey, and many more. He also produced the breakout Solange hit, Losing You. Dev has also been making music of his own for over a decade. First under the name Lightspeed Champion, then starting in 2011 as Blood Orange. His sound isn't easy to define. It changes from album to album, even from song to song. You'll hear a bit of Prince, some Brian Eno, maybe Sade every once in a while. It's music made to evoke feelings of nostalgia, melancholy, and love. Beautiful music. His breakthrough album, 2016's Freetown Sound, made a bunch of year-end lists. So did his follow-up, last year's Negro Swan. That's when I taped this interview with him. This summer, he released a mixtape, Angel's Pulse, kind of a follow-up to Negro Swan. Here's a track off the record. This one is called Dark and Handsome. Dev Hines, welcome to Bullseye. It's great to have you on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. So you're originally from a place called Essex. Um, can you can you tell me about that place? I, I've never been. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> I know I was going to be a representative for Essex, England, but um, um, I don't know. I guess like the short of it is that... Um, in many aspects, it's it's almost like the the New Jersey of, in regards to New Jersey to New York, Essex to London. I guess in terms of just like places that are on the outskirts of major cities, and right, what that kind of breeds in culture and uh, yeah, within people. I mean, it's it's a, it's kind of a weird place. I mean, I mean, you know, actually, that metaphor is not even a metaphor because some years ago after the Jersey Shore was so popular they they made a UK one and it was called The Only Way is Essex so it it really is the you know the mirror I guess in its own unique English way Did you like it when you were a kid? No, I hated it <laughs> um, you know, I, I, but that's more from a small town mentality when wanting to burst out, would uh, travel into the city every opportunity, every weekend, and skate along the South Bank and St. Paul's in London. 
But uh, yeah, no, I never really, I never really liked it. <laughs> I can, I can see its charm now that I'm older. Did you go to school in your neighborhood or elsewhere? Yeah, it was in my neighborhood. Um, there was a. Well, it's actually funny because the reason I got into skating was because it was a f- couple of things mixed together. One was I had, I had really bad eyesight and I needed to take a bus to school. And I wasn't wearing my glasses a lot because I was getting bullied for wearing glasses. And then also I was just getting bullied so to such a crazy extent that I just didn't want to take the bus anymore. So I started uh, skating so I could skate to school. What kind of bullying w- was going on? Um, being up, put in hospital, spat on, all that kind of stuff. That's awful. Yeah, I mean it sucked, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but you know it's uh, what it is, and I kind of um have, you know, I work through it, especially within the last, um, I guess four or so years. Well, I guess there isn't really a point, but I, I kind of look through it and at it, and I try and make some kind of a framework, I guess. I mentioned something to that effect. There's a song on the album called Dagnum Dream, and I kind of mention a moment like that that happened, where I had like quite long hair, and after maybe one of the worst times I got beaten up, I kind of like cut my hair off and like shaved like lines in my eyebrow and like that. And I had a teacher, my like media teacher, actually, I think she was. And she was kind of like the, well, to me anyway, she was kind of like the cool one, like because she like would go to Glastonbury and stuff. <laughs> so I was, you know, she was like the young teacher and um and she saw me and she started crying. And I've never forgot it. Um and that's I mentioned that in uh Dagenham Dream. You lived in the United States like 10 years. Yeah. What do you think about when you think about England? Like, what are the things that you've maybe even surprised yourself reminiscing about? Well, my happiest memories that I look back on tend to be based on sports. (laughs) So um, I'll think about playing football, really. You were like a pretty serious football player or soccer player. Yeah, yeah. When you were a kid, right? Yeah. That was that was the number one thing for me. How much time did you plan spend playing? So, lunch times of school, uh, after school, sometimes before school with training, and then uh, there would, depending on what teams I was on, there'd be matches on Saturdays and on Sundays once I joined uh, an additional team, and then there'd be trainings on those mornings also. So there's a fair amount of time. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'll say present tense too because I still believe it, but I'm a very good football player. 
<laughs> yeah, there's only a couple things that I will ever talk uh, confidently <laughs> about myself in, you know, and and football is one of those things. There's maybe only two. I'd, depending on the day, three <laughs> things. But usually, there's only two things in the world that I'll that I'm actively be confident in. <laughs> but one of them is football. The second one is what words with friends. <laughs> you know what? I am good at that actually. But no, um, <laughs> no, no. Uh, playing guitar. <laughs> okay, <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. You're listening to Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest is Dev Hines of the band. Blood Orange. Why did you quit? Um, it was extremely tiring. I hated playing, like training at like 6 a.m. on a Sunday and it's like raining and it's gray and there's just mud everywhere. And and it's so competitive. And, you know, I mean, I, I am pretty c- competitive, but not that much <laughs> you know like <laughs> like i didn't care that much and you really needed to care more than i did you know like i play now and that's the level at which i care enough did you have a vision for your life that was something else or were you just tired of running around in circles i was just tired yeah that's really all it was <laughs> i didn't have any idea really what I was doing, I mean, if someone had to ask me at that point in my life, I would probably say like writing in some regards. Like that seemed to be what I thought maybe, where I thought things were going to go. So what changed? Because you've had like three or four different music careers at this point. I guess it was this thing where music was always kind of in the roots of me but so much so that I didn't actually take it that seriously. Because, you know, throughout all of those things, I was making records in my bedroom and playing in bands and playing in orchestra and doing, like, recitals. But it was always, like, the the fun thing I was doing to kind of keep myself going. I I wasn't ever chasing anything because what made me happy was just the act of doing it. Like I always say, like I never, I never sang in front of a mirror in my bedroom. Like it wasn't, what I did was like tape things off the radio and then like try and like recreate them. I mean, it seems to me like that might be part of why you're such an accomplished producer. I mean, like a lot of... Thank you. <laughs> a, a lot of musicians are also like really passionate fans and uh i I hate the word but i'm going to use it curators um (laughs) uh, apologies (laughs) but like uh, you know that's true of a lot uh, a lot of musicians but like uh, so much of your music is about it feels like it is about finding new ways to bend aesthetics Mm. yeah more than it is necessarily about like you know rocking a crowd or right you know whatever the other whatever <laughs> the other values of pop music are many of which are totally great yeah totally i mean maybe this okay so maybe this will kind of explain it a bit more but like how i um like how i make blood orange albums 
especially the I'd say yeah, Keep It Like Freetown and this last one. The general trail of how they're made, I think, kind of sums it all up because it tends to be, and this varies, of course. Like it's not exact like this, but title first. Like I had the title Negro Swan around the time Freetown Sound was released. I knew I wanted to do a project called Negro Swan. And from there, it was like thinking of uh, uh, what does that mean and imagery and um, just trying to create like a almost like a template or like a mood board of like feelings and imagery. Like an actual binder, right? Like a physical, yeah, yeah, had, actual had thing, a, not metaphorically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is yeah, exactly, yeah, this is a, a literal book of images and moods and from there once i'm kind of putting that together i have these ideas of uh, the music kind of attaches itself to the imagery of me so i have an idea of these different things and feelings and i tend to make actually these like playlists and mixtapes for myself of other people's music that is feeding into it but then within that i i find i see the things that i'm missing or the things that i want to feel and and meld together so that's kind of forming but it, it like the music not, doesn't exist you know <laughs> like it's in right. my head this kind of thing and then I'm writing words down so I start writing a lot of words and then I kind of like kind of work it out like I have an idea of what I think a track listing would be so I knew how I wanted to open the record I knew the change I wanted it to go through in the middle and I kind of knew how I wanted to end it and then I kind of like fit it in and I make that mood, you know, <laughs> it's kind of a weird way. And so all the tracks tend to actually finish at the same time in the mixing process. We usually when I'm mi mixing a record or just before that, the tracks start to finish because it's hard for me to finish track two if I know I haven't finished track three. So it's really rare that like I could probably play a track to someone, but I'll feel weird about it because I know that it needs to, it, it, it's all going to affect everything else. So they, they tend to hit the finish line at the same time. We'll wrap up my conversation with Dev Hines after a break. Still to come, what's it like when Diddy has your phone number and returns your calls? Dev Hines has the answer. It's Bullseye for MaximumFun.org and NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor, ZipRecruiter. Hiring can be a slow process. Cafe Altura COO Dylan Miskowitz needed to hire a director of coffee. So he went to ZipRecruiter, posted his job, and found the right person in just a few days. Find out why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com bullseye. B-U-L-L-S-E-Y-E. -L -L -E. Malcolm Gladwell is one of the most well-known thinkers in the world. But he says a lot of his fans don't know that he's black. White people don't know. Black people always know. How do you feel about that? As a, I find as it a hilarious, writer. first of all. <laughs> Malcolm Gladwell on race, pop culture, and a whole lot more next time on It's Been a Minute from NPR. I listen to reading glasses because Bria and Mallory have great tips. You're a comics reader and you want to use a library-connected app, you can try out Hoopla. I listen for the author interviews. 
I'm mad at myself that I waited as long as I did to start reading Joan Didion. They give me reading advice I didn't even know I needed. If you go in person to an event and go up to an author or a filmmaker or anybody and tell them what they you don't like about their work, you're a trash baby. I, look, I understand you didn't like Heroes Season 3. That's fine. I, like, <laughs> I don't actually need to know that information. I'm Brea Grant. And I'm Mallory O'Mara. We're Reading Glasses, and we solve all your bookish problems every Thursday on Maximum Fun. Welcome back to Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest, Dev Hines, is a singer, producer, and multi-instrumentalist. He's worked with Solange, ASAP Rocky, Kylie Minogue, and others. He records under the name Blood Orange. His latest release is a mixtape called Angel's Pulse. Here's a track from it. It's called Something to Do. When you were a teenager and you were playing in bands, what kind of bands were you playing in? Mainly metal bands. Mainly metal. I think the first promo picture of you that I saw, you were wearing a Megadeth t-shirt. Probably. I learned all my... The artists that I essentially learned guitar and bass from are Megadeth, uh, Smashing Pumpkins, and Heart. Do you have to, like, resist playing sweet riffs whenever you have a guitar in your hand? Um, I only play guitar on stage. I don't play guitar, like, at home or anything. And if you ever see me live, I do a crazy guitar solo, (laughs) like, in in the set. You know, there's actually a, 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 from the last Pitchfork Fest, did a song called Nappy Wonder, and I I do a crazy guitar solo in that. Even though it's not even me on the record. I didn't even play guitar on that record. When you were a teenager playing in metal bands, did you do that thing that teenagers who play in metal bands do, which is like sit in your room and bang out riffs faster and faster until you can totally shred like Dave Mustaine? Totally. Although I was trying to shred like... um, I was trying to shred like Mai Friedman, Billy Corgan... And the Heart Sisters. That's who I was trying to play guitar like. Did you think that was going to be your life at some point? I mean, when did you think, I will become a a musician? Especially as a guy who didn't sing in front of a mirror, as you said. Um, Probably like two years ago. (laughs) 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 Um, Yeah, no, I don't know. Yeah, it really... um, I don't. I, I never really thought it was going to go down. It kind of just happened. What is it like for you to write on and produce pop records? Um, you've worked with um, Britney Spears, and she didn't take. She didn't. She didn't take my record. <laughs> um, uh, Car- Carly Rae Jepsen. That that came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a beautiful song. In fact, why don't oh thank thank you? Why don't we hear the song that you co-wrote and produced? I, I believe for Carly Rae Jepsen called "All That."
I haven't heard that in a long time. <laughs> it's only a few years old. <laughs> but it's a- <laughs> well, I've, I, I, the thing is, I've had the original version of that song I had for so long, like crazy, like first Blood Orange album period, 2009, 2010. <laughs> so what's it like when you are making one of those records and and how is it different from when you're making your own records are you usually going in with demos or um no it, it varies it's all it's kind of an my thing with collaborating with people is i'll do it in any way they want because i'm giving myself as a service to them and so if they want me to just sit and come up with melodies while there's a producer i'll do that if they want me to produce track I'll do that you know it's whatever if they want to write in the room together just me and them create something then I'll do that I'm very like if I've given myself to that person and in that environment then I'm you know kind of theirs and just will try and be respectful and make the best thing you know so it's a completely different mindset to me just like walking around filling ideas in a book. It's like a different goal. Yeah, different goalposts, you know. You have Diddy on this new record. Mm-hmm. I have a friend who thinks that Diddy may have magic powers. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> uh, my friend, comedian Chris Gethard, has ha- had Diddy on his show a few times, uh, both his, his live show and his television show. And at one point, uh, Diddy's assistant told him that he he or she believed that Diddy had magic powers and then Diddy did something magical um, and it really blew Chris's mind. <laughs> wow. But like, I think of all the people in the, uh, of all the people in the contemporary music industry, uh, maybe the one who seems the least like a real human being to me is Diddy. Uh, like he seems like some, like a mythical, like a story about a record producer. <laughs> right. So how did you get Diddy on your record? Like, did you, like, meet him at the grocery store or, like, get his number Um, from somebody? Did you imagine that he would... Did you have, like, Diddy part? And you're like, I got to get Diddy for this. Yeah, I did a fake Diddy impression on the song, and then I texted it to him, and then he sent his vocals back the next day. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's how it happened. (laughs) Um, Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> that's really it uh, I like the part on the song Bring Hope when you come around yeah like I was making a track with Taishi Val and I started doing that because in my mind I was picturing this like Maya type track and I was like let me send it and see if he's down and yeah he he was and the next day it existed Still smile when you come around, yeah. Bring hope when you come around, yeah. I still smile when I come around. Yeah, yeah. Bring hope when you come around, yeah. I still smile when you come around, yeah. What's it like when 
It seems like he does 7,000 things a day and it j- maybe just appeared while he was near a microphone or something. Well, he recorded it at his, pla- at his house in LA. But yeah, I mean, you know what though? Like, this is what I'll say about him is that he does a million things a day, but I think the reason why he's successful and he's so good at them is that he follows them through. For example, I remember once I called him and he uh, didn't pick up. And I was like, okay, obviously there's other things he's doing. <laughs> so that's okay. Um, then every, like a day passed or whatever, but then every day for like the next maybe five days, I like woke up in the morning with like four missed calls from him because he was calling back the missed call. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I think, and that's, that's him. Like he really cares about what he's doing and he does it and he sees it through. Well, Dev, I've taken uh, more than the agreed upon amount of your time. So thank you so much for, (laughs) thank you so much for being on Bullseye. It was, it was really nice to get to talk to you and thanks for your, for your beautiful music. Yo, thank you, man. Appreciate it. Dev Hines from last year. His new album, Angel's Pulse, is out now. If you aren't familiar with his work, I recommend starting with Freetown Sound or Negro Swan, both of them beautiful records. He's also now working on a classical album, so we'll see what that's like. Let's take a listen to one more track from Negro Swan. It's called Charcoal Baby. That's the end of another episode of Bullseye. Our show is produced at MaximumFun.org World Headquarters, overlooking MacArthur Park in beautiful Los Angeles, California, where some of the sections of the park have been roped off for, we think, grass planting, but it smells like fertilizer. So I don't know if those things go together. Uh, Some park visitors sitting on that area of the grass, ignoring the ropes. Most of those are pigeons, though. So they're not bothered by the smell. The show is produced by Speaking Into Microphones. Our producer is Kevin Ferguson. Jesus Ambrosio is our associate producer. We have help from Casey O'Brien here in the office. And our production fellow is Jordan Cowling. We are currently hiring another production fellow to work here with us in the office at Maximum Fun. If you want to apply, we would love to have your application. You can go to MaximumFun.org slash Production Fellow 2019 maximumfund.org slash productionfellow2019. Our interstitial music is by DJW, also known as Dan Wally. Our thanks to Dan. Our theme song is Huddle Formation by the Go Team. Thanks to them and Memphis Industries for letting us use it. And before you go, did you know that Bullseye has been around for almost two decades? That means we have done hundreds and hundreds of interviews. 
You can check all of those out on our website at MaximumFun.org, or you can find them in your favorite podcast app. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Search for Bullseye with Jesse Thorne. You can keep up with the show in any of those places, and I think that's about it. Just remember, all great radio hosts have a signature sign-off. Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR. 